Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, our, my next guest is somebody you, you probably know pretty well because she teaches here in the area, Carolyn Cook. But uh, she has a collection of short stories uh, that one reviewer uh, compared to the, the best uh, short story writing in the, the country, compared her to Grace Paley and Laurie Moore. Uh, will you please welcome the writer Carolyn Cook here to West Coast Live. Thank you very much for, uh, for coming in. I saw you in the, uh, the bakery over there that's the, the color of uh, sort of uh, cake icing, I think, kind of peach and lime colored paint. Mm -hmm. Franny's cup and saucer. Yeah. Franny's cup and saucer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had a pretty darn good croissant there this morning. Croissant, oui. Yeah, oui. <laughs> and a, and a, little, uh, a little kind of piece of, a, of an egg pie with uh, Asiago cheese in it. Yeah, she uh, she's uh, the best baker in the world. Um, I, I speak objectively, and um, uh, she does amazing windows. Uh, you know, you'll go in and there'll be a mountain meadow scene with amanita mushrooms made of meringues and redwood trees. She sells by the slice and things like that. She's in the logging industry too. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, you have a story. Uh, this is from a, a story that's going to be part of a collection that you envision about life and in this area? Eventually. I actually have a contract to write a book about the sexual revolution in Massachusetts, but I've been procrastinating. <laughs> You're a little far from the scene of the battle, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Did you, uh, you once lived in uh, the East Coast? Yeah, I grew up in Bar Harbor, Maine, which is um, uh, Cadillac Mountain is, is uh, very near where I lived. It's the easternmost point, I think, in the United States. At least the sun rises there first, and it sets here, of course, last, and I was drawn inexorably here from there. And, and you, you teach here in the community? Yeah, I was actually one of the founders of a charter school here and uh, uh, teach in the high school. What, uh, what subjects? Writing. Oh, writing, right. And uh, I mean, you could have taught, you taught biochemistry. I mean, uh... Yeah, well, you know. I... Yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's, uh, the writers are uh, pretty good here in town. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Lindsay Smith is one of our one of our most famous writers. In fact, she's our only famous writer. But <laughs> but it, it's only four years old. She was part of the first graduating class. And At four years old? No, well, the school is only four years old. Well, I thought she was a, an accomplished poet at age four, which would be truly remarkable. She actually was an accomplished poet at age four, but I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> you have a you have an excerpt from a story to read that will give us what a, a sense of. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. You've been talking to a lot of people about whether they're natives here, and actually you haven't talked to anyone who's a native here yet. Did you notice that? Yeah. And, uh, of course, the, the natives going back further are the Kashaya Pomo. Yeah, there are people who've lived here for 10,000 years, and we're proud because we've lived here, you know, 20 years or something. <laughs> and is this story about uh, newcomers to the area? Uh, it's about, I, I'm, I'm kind of always interested, my book was about this, and I guess this story is about this too, about sort of the clash of people meeting each other. Well, let's hear it. All right. You're going to hold that for me? I'll hold, I'll hold this for you. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holding the microphone, a big issue in the show. 
<laughs> All right. Scarface was obnoxious, and he had charisma. The first time I met him, he showed me a coffee can with dead tadpoles in the bottom. When I pretended to admire the tadpoles, he offered to sell them to me with the coffee can for $10. Scarface was always interested in what was included in a sale. One time when I was driving him home to the res, he asked if when I bought my car, it came with the engine or if I had to buy that. I said the car came with the engine. Then he asked whether it came with the key. He used to ask me all the time what I was going to buy him for Christmas. Jews don't celebrate Christmas, I told him. But I celebrate Christmas, Scarface said. I admired his directness. Listen, you're a hippie, he said. Can you get me some weed? You want me to get you some weed, I said. If you get me some weed, I can get you some commodities. Seriously, peanut butter, apple juice, powdered eggs, whatever you want. <laughs> Dream on, I said. Scarface smiled benignly. If you can get me some weed, I'll make you breakfast. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't answer. How could I? He was only 10. <laughs> I drove on toward the turnoff to the res, a stretch of road running through hills and gullies that bloomed with wild mustard and fennel and cow parsnip and the carcasses of American-made cars named after wild horses. One end of this road was the res, with its hud houses and its rose bushes. The other end was the assembly of God. In between, we passed a ranch where a wealthy couple from away had brought hundreds of rare wild birds. Immediately, the turkey farm across the road had sued them for bringing in exotic bird diseases, and someone shot their dogs in the night. You saying I'm ugly? Scarface screamed suddenly, huh? Because I'm packing heat. He pointed to his penis. This was a test. Sure, Scarface was ugly. It was the central truth about him. He looked like the crimes of fathers visited upon the sons. He was as enormous and threatening as possible for a person his age who was not yet full grown. His face looked like a knife wound. But in his way, with his olive eyes and his sly smile and his perverse humor, he was beautiful too. I have to keep my eyes on the road, I lied. If you get me some weed, I'll forgive white people for the injustices done to the Pomo Nation, he said. Scarface, I said, how can you forgive white people? How can a punk like you be expected to forgive the genocide, the violence? I sounded in my own ears like my estranged sister with whom I have nothing in common except the obvious factors of genetics and nurture. I wondered if Scarface ever worried about this, his own father having killed three men in a fit of such profound drunkenness that he confessed at his trial he could not say whether he, with a gun in his hand and blood all over him, had committed the crime or what it had been about. Scarface looked out the window, away. If I didn't know how to forgive people for violence done to me and every Indian, I wouldn't have no family or friends. He was a smart kid. He couldn't really read or spell. He spelled his own name, S-C-R-A-F-A-C, -A -A in a note he sent me once. I don't know what they did with him in school. Although he was in fifth grade, he confided that he'd only held a pencil twice in his life. I would like to have taken Scarface away and made him mine, but you can't do that. 
Whatever my reasons were for wanting Scarface, I knew they were the wrong reasons. I loved him as he was, wounded, damaged, doomed. Carolyn Cook reading from The Boundary. Very powerful images, wonderful stories. Thank you. The, uh, when, you, when you sit down to write a story, does it flow out of you at once? Is it something that you uh, have to work on for, for weeks to get it right, or you come back to it? What's, what's your writing method? Um, I suffer powerfully. <laughs> I, I write really fast. I talk a lot. Um, I write a lot. Everyone who is here who knows me knows that I talk um, a lot and with, with great fluency and urgency and constancy. And I write sort of in the opposite way. The, uh, there were some references in there to the, to the res and the, the HUD. And, and where is that in relation to this area? This is something you've come to know from being a teacher? Yeah, chiefly from being a teacher. Um, it's probably unethical to use anything you know from being a teacher, um, which is why I want to be a writer, you know, mainly. Um, but um, So you can borrow things freely. Yeah, yeah. You know, who, who said, you probably know this, but who said amateurs borrow professional steel, right? <laughs> right. But the res is, um, if you go up Highway 1 just to the top of town past the coffee house, it's out Windy Hollow Road. Beautiful, beautiful land there, um, just, just too far to walk. You know, it's like I think the res is put there to be just too far to walk to town. So uh, you see the cars on the side of the road and people walking usually trying to get to town. And when do you, uh, when do you expect this uh, collection to be finished and ready for the world at large? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Um, uh, you know, I, as I say, I'm supposed to finish this other book first, and um, uh, 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 that's due last year. And so, so sometime after that. I'll... How, how, would you, how would you compare the sexual revolution of Massachusetts with the sexual revolution of Iowa or uh, California? Well, I was actually there during all of it. Um, it was about a month, I think, in 1976, and it was great. Gerald Ford was president then. <laughs> yeah, it was well, great. we look forward to that book whenever it's done, too. Carolyn Cook, thank you very much for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you. Carolyn Cook, writer, teacher here in Point Arena, California, on the Mendocino Coast. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.